Welcome back to the NBA Recap Show on the Mojo Sports Network. We're a panel of NBA quote-unquote experts who chat weekly about the most interesting developing stories, stats, and trends in basketball. Our starting point guard, we've got the main man from Shepard and dishing up dimes, Jack Brophy from Sports Confidential. At the two spot, the man from Melbourne, our fantasy team fanatic, Julian Balthazar. At the other two spot, we got Perth's mini basketball encyclopedia, the all-knowing Yuri Bilsic. And our third shooter guard, I once said he looked like Jamal Murray, he's a prolific writer and a Celtics homer, it's Mr. Tom Dev out of Melbourne. And me, I'm the only big on the roster, but these guys make it oh so easy for me, your host and Queensland's own, Alexander J from the 5 Minute Sports Show, B-Ball Bites. Sit back and enjoy today's show, and don't forget to rate our podcast wherever you're listening. Let's go. Welcome back to the show. I've got with me Yuri and Tom. No Jack, no Jules today. Tom, how are you, mate? Yeah, doing well. Looking forward to talking about some news that uh, the the quiet off-season still hasn't begun yet, so can't wait. (laughs) Yuri, how are you, mate? Yeah, great, Alex. Great to be on, as always, and looking forward to dissecting some news that's gone down. Yeah, look, today's show, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to get to a fun little expansion draft. The NBA is always talking about expanding into two, four, six extra markets as the uh, the development of players and the quality of players is getting quite high amongst the league. But first, there has been some news this week. We'll uh, talk about three or four of the most interesting stories during the week. The in-season tournament front of mine as Commissioner Adam Silver dropped the explainer this morning, Tom. I think you've done the background research around what the in-season tournament is going to look like. Do you want me to set it up for you or do you want to take the reins? Oh, I, can, I can take the reins if you'd like. Go ahead. But, uh, look, it's, it's called the NBA Cup. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be six uh, five-team groups that sort of play every uh, Tuesday, Thursday. I think it is uh, beginning of the season. Um, I won't go through all the groups, but at the moment, I think in my opinion, the group of death is probably Denver, Clippers, Pelicans, Mavs. Cool. Uh, uh, and sorry, I think I'm missing one team from there. Um, but look, the, the winner of each group goes through um, plus two wildcard teams from each conference uh, who didn't win their respective groups go through. Uh, and then they play knockout games uh, later on in Vegas with the final being on December 9th. Um, and, you know, they, they came out during the week that the stats in that final one actually count towards the season anyway. It would be its own sort of, you know, sort of like how the play-in has its own stats as well. Um, but... I, I haven't been a fan of this in-season tournament ever since it was announced, I think, a couple of seasons ago that they were thinking of doing it. And I just kind of look at it like, what's the point? You know, they already play the regular season. Just flapping NBA Cup over regular season games isn't going to make them more exciting. And there's not really an incentive. Like, the players win 500K uh, if, if they win the whole tournament, which obviously for us, you and I would be nice. Money. <laughs> It'd be very nice for us. But for your stars who, you know, making millions or already it's not exactly that much more of incentive to play 45 minutes in a game in December. Um, and look, it's a meaningless trophy as of now. I mean, I don't know if you guys follow the English soccer at all, but there's, there's four uh, sort of trophies that you can win in English soccer. And one of them's called the league cup. And basically the only team that cares about who wins the league cup is the team that wins the league cup. If you get knocked out of the league cup, no one cares. And it's just, it, you get laughed at basically for celebrating the League Cup. And I feel like that's kind of what's going to happen with this NBA Cup sort of thing. And so, look, the NBA is hell-bent on having this in-season tournament. And so my theory, I've come up with this idea to give sort of more of an incentive for teams to actually sort of want to win and play in these games. And that's the winner of this tournament at the end of the season can pick if they go plus or minus 2.5 wins in the standing or they can hold their current wins. So I, I don't know if, you, if you're with me here yet, but look, the, the idea is this in-season tournament will be in December. So some, team, like, some teams won't know if they're tanking or if they're a playoff or playing contender at that point. So everyone's sort of got a motive to try and win. But the problem is if a team who starts off well wins these games and then gets to the end of the season and goes, well, crap, we want to tank, they can then take minus 2.5 wins, go down the standings. Or a team that started off well in the season, didn't have a good back half, ends in that play-in sort of category, can go plus 2.5 wins and maybe elevate themselves. And you think 2.5 wins, how big of a deal is that? So I'll just give you some examples from last season standings. So the Bucks could have gone minus 2.5 wins, taken the two seed and not had to play the Heat in the first round. <laughs> Celtics could have gone Celtics could have gone plus 2.5 wins, taken the one seed, got eliminated in the first round for all we know against the Heat. 
Uh, Nets could have taken plus 2.5 wins. They would have had Durant and Kyrie in December, so they were actually pretty decent, and they could have got the five seed. Uh, Heat could have taken the six seed, avoided the play-in, although that probably wouldn't have worked, worked out as out, well. Yeah. Who knows? Um, Wizards could have taken minus 2.5 wins, uh, and they would have given the fifth best lottery odds instead of the seventh. Uh, Memphis could have got the one seed. Clippers could have got the four seed. Warriors could have got the four seed. Lakers could have got the four seed. Pelicans and the Timberwolves could have gotten the five seed. Thunder could have had the eight seed. I really like this idea. The more the more you explain it, Tom, I'm kind of all in on the extra two and a half games. Yeah, uh, you know the Mavs could have made the play in, or they could have just gone that down the tank, tanking route and gotten better uh, lottery odds. And you know, so the plus two point five wins, it could change how teams approach the end of season. You know, like Portland, if they'd won that tournament, wouldn't have shut down the season. They probably would have gone. We can make this play in. Let's see what happens. And it could change playoff series. You, know, you, get, you get home court advantage and you get matchups, and it actually could affect what happens. So instead of players who make millions getting 500K more, you know, are they going to play at a playoff intensity for 500K? Probably not. Is LeBron going to risk injury to win the NBA Cup? No. But if you're telling me that they can get an extra 2.5 wins and completely change their standards at the end of the season, I genuinely believe players will go, okay, let's lock in here because end of the year, we don't know what's going to happen and it could completely change how things go. But th- that's my idea. Tom, I love all of this. Yuri, do you have any thoughts on the in-season tournament or Tom's like addendum to the tournament? Because I think we're under a winner. Yeah, it's a tricky one, I think, Alex and Tom, just about the whole concept and especially when it comes to standings, as Tom perfectly laid out in terms of whether teams want to take that extra two and a half wins or deduct two wins to avoid playing, say, for example, in the Eastern Conference, if I'll probably put this in a hypothetical sense, if the Cleveland Cavaliers finish sixth in the East next season and Milwaukee finishes third and then somehow they can get, what, two and a half games deficit and then go back to the seventh seed if there's a gap between them and, say, I know, the Brooklyn Nets who finish in that spot and so they avoid playing the Bucks. But I think when we sort of put this as a whole scope, I think when the playing tournament was first introduced a couple of years ago, well, basically during the bubble essentially and then the foundations from there went through that most people were a little bit skeptical. And there was a very good video on YouTube that went for about, I think it was four and a half minutes and was able to watch and sort of the disagreements on why the in, in terms of the playing tournament isn't that great. But I think when you now look at it, that has worked extremely well. So I think with this whole now in-season tournament, it's got to take a bit of adjusting to it. And so I think eventually once the fans probably come around to it, then they'll probably enjoy it for what it is. But I think probably this first season probably will raise a little bit of heads, that's all. In my mind, I think the league's only doing it so they can have something in Vegas every year, like a whole event kind of thing, um, which is a really good pivot point to the eye in Las Vegas. If you don't know what we're talking about, there's a new arena built in the quote-unquote suburbs of Las Vegas where it's the shape of a, a round orb and it's completely covered in LED screens. I don't think it officially opens yet, Tom and Yuri, but um, we've both seen that it costed like $2 billion with a B to build this thing. It's a concert hall on the inside, so theoretically a uh, you know, basketball team could play there. But the LED screens around it can be completely customized. So for Las Vegas Summer League that's currently going on, it looks like a high-def basketball that's like, 300 times the size of the cars driving past it. Very creepy. Either of you want to touch on the eye quickly or should we go to, um, look, Pops Extended in San Antonio. Uh, the Portland thing kind of got ugly since the last time we've talked. Um, Yuri, you go first. Yeah, let's go. Greg Popovich's extension, right? Another five years, right? So he's, what, 77, if I'm I not mistaken? I think so, yeah. That's unbelievable, right? He, he's basically been a Spurs coach since 1996. I think he was around 50 at the time when he took over. And, of course, Pop's tenure, we can probably go on about it for hours. I think it was during the lockout 98-99 season. They're only about 14 games in. They were six and eight. And there was these murmurings that he was going to be fired and Bob Hill was going to replace him. And I think Avery Johnson led a team meeting in the locker room prior to a game against Houston. And the wheels flipped from there. And, of course, they went on to win the franchise's first ever title. And since then, it's just gone on to more glorious things. And I think what Popovich's legacy ultimately will be when he does decide to hang it up after, well, this five-year extension is that his ability to bring across international players and bring this different concept to the NBA where it doesn't have to be a certain type 
or prototype of player to really fit in the mold. If you have every single player from across the globe, so Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan, we can go through a list of names, they they all come together for one simple common goal, and that's to win the championship. And I think those whole play styles and the type of personalities as well, they complement each other so well, and that's the other reasoning for why Popovich has been so successful for such a long period of time. And yes, although the Spurs for his last three seasons have basically been starting from scratch for, yes, arguably since when Popovich took over. So I think, yeah, it's just those whole elements, I think, with what he's done. And I think it's, especially in the NBA, the coaching system caper, as you very well know, Alex and Tom, that when things go haywire, they tend to go downhill very quickly. And we've seen coaches basically being on the chopping block and ultimately get the final guillotine to the head. And we saw, of course, Doc Rivers. And Doc Rivers, what, during his, I think it was his exit press, was saying that I'm, I'll, I'm confident I'm, I'll be Philadelphia's coach for next season. Ultimately, look what happens. He's gone. And, of course, with Toronto, Nick Nurse moving on and now being the new 76ers head coach. And Frank Vogel only, what, a couple of seasons ago, as well, at the end of the 21-2022 season, after leading the Lakers to that bubble championship in two years ago, he ultimately gets the chop. So I think there's something about coaches and the very rare few ones that tend to know how to navigate through the different eras of basketball and are able to adapt and tinker with these new game plans. And I think that's something that he's done well. I think we've seen probably the last two, three seasons with him that They've wanted to take more threes, and I don't think that was always something within the whole Arsenal toolkit of the Spurs offense. Yes, of course, they would when he was there, and they'll shoot them at, what, 38, 39, 40%, always top three for three-point percentage. So I think that's something he's embraced in terms of where the league's been going since probably about, what, 2015, 2016, of course, with Curry and Thompson just splashing over 450 combined threes per season. So... Just not to, uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, not to go over to you, but I've actually got an interesting stat on this point um, that I looked at. Because I, when, I, when I saw the five-year extension, I was kind of thinking, is he equipped to coach the modern game? Because, you know, look, Spurs have ranked 24th or lower in three-point attempts per game every season since 2015-16, except for one, which was last season. And in that time span, the champion has been in the top 10 three-point attempts five out of eight times with the Lakers, Denver, and surprisingly, Golden State in one of those years weren't in it. And so, I, I don't know, like, you can put as much value or as little value on the three-point attempts as you want. Because, as you said, they are a high-percentage shooting three-point team. But volume-wise, they are not. They haven't been there the last few years. And it'll be interesting because even with their current roster, it's not like they've got shooters across the board. And, I mean, looking at Wemby's airball three-pointer yesterday, I'm not sure how many he will be attempting in his first couple of seasons. But, yeah, I, 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 you know, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see how Popovich sort of navigates the modern NBA with this five-year extension. That might be an interesting point to talk about um, the Summer League. We've had one game so far of Victor Wembanyama. I haven't seen if they played today. Um, his debut in the Summer League, um, fairly poor compared to all the hype. There was a lot of hype. The, the building and arena packed out. Everyone who was at Summer League said it's the most hype there's been in a Summer League in quite a long time, maybe since Lonzo Ball um, made his debut. A lot of the Lakers fans travel to Las Vegas. That Lonzo Ball hype kind of carries over everything else that happened that year. Uh, Victor Wembanyama didn't have a great game offensively. That is fair to say and a factual statement. I thought the defensive effort is clearly there. Like he's impacting everything on defense. Um, he guarded Brandon Miller for a large point of that game, even though Brandon Miller had 16, 20 points, something fairly okay. Um, either of you guys watched that game with Wemby and have 30 seconds worth to say on that before we talk about Dame Lillard. I think I was just scouting through the numbers yesterday, Alex and Tom, and I think both teams shot poorly from three. I think Brandon Miller was, as you mentioned, he scored 16 points, but I think it was something like, I'm pretty sure this is roughly around where he shot. I think it was about five of 20 from the field. It wasn't too great, but I think the whole summer league thing is just completely just a tool in a way, and it has been for a long period of time where teams basically tinker around with young players who haven't had the opportunity yet, and especially with the new rookies that have been drafted, of course, and your top prospects already within the team who can actually showcase what they can do. So I think that's really what the whole concept has been for a long period of time. And then 
I think when you go from there and then eventually to the first game of the season, then I think, yeah, transformation-wise, it's a big step anyway. And a lot of rookies talk about from whether you play in European leagues, even like I think I'll probably take this into account. I can't remember exactly who said as well, but in terms of the European game, when they tra- when they go over to America, is that the three-point arc is a lot further mm. in the European leagues compared to the NBA. So uh, the adjustment-wise, if you're a elite three-point shooter, is pretty seamless. I think when you look at Pedro Stojakovic back in the day, when he was playing in the European League, and I think when he first came across the Sacramento, I think it was that lockout season in 98-99, and he just found it so effortless because he was already such an elite three-point shooter. But just going back to Webb and Yama and Brandon Miller, Jewel too, yeah, I think Wemby was like two or 13 from the field and one yeah. or six from three. So I don't, as you mentioned, probably won't seem take too many three-point attempts and try and utilize his strengths. Well, that's kind is, of been the knock yeah. on him like so far that that is the observation that he kind of settles for those mid-range jumpers and the three-point shots. You can kind of understand. I think he had one half a post up yesterday and just got bullied and had the ball stripped from him. Um, it's interesting because you're right, Yuri. He should be trying to use his strength and his length near the rim. He had one play where you're like, if he had a 15 pounds of muscle, he's dunking that like Giannis Atatakumpo. Like he just doesn't have it. He's too much of a string bean. Um, I think the point I was trying to make is this guy is not going to come out and be in the MVP conversation this year. Like that hype is not possible. Depending on the season, he could be the defensive player of the year. Like that impact he was having, he had a block on the three-point line. Brandon Miller goes for a three and Wemby sags it off him by like two meters and with those long arms at eight-foot wingspan can block him at the three-point line. I think Charlotte, you know, they were a team full of rookies and young guys were scared to go inside a lot of that game. So uh, I think that defensive player of the year is much more likely than him making an all-NBA team. Um, Tom, do you have a chance to watch that game yesterday? All the highlights? I watched, I watched bits and pieces of it. Um, that one play where he had a really tight handle and then got the assist um, under, I can't remember who to, that was really impressive. Um, but look, Summer League can be really hard to judge, especially with these top prospects because they know, you know, when they start in game one, regardless of if he plays well or poorly, whereas there are other players on this team who are fighting for careers. And so there were portions of, this, of the second half when he checked back in where, you know, Wemby was getting some, in some decent positions and they just weren't even trying to get in the ball because the other players wanted to showcase what they could do, which is, you know, fair enough. And so look, I, I, obviously it wasn't as great as we had expected, but I'm holding off any proper judgment until we get to uh, game one of the season. But, you know, for the moment, all I can say is just keep him the hell away from Britney Spears. <laughs> all right, Tom, please get us off the subject. Talk to us about Dame Lillard and Poland. So, yeah, it was... Uh, it came out early Sunday morning the other week. I was I was actually out with some friends, you know, just enjoying enjoying what Melbourne has to offer when my phone buzzed from Twitter and saw Damian Lillard has requested a trade. And I was out with people who weren't NBA fans. So they thought an emergency or something had happened by, based off my reaction. Um, so they were a bit disappointed. Well, they were a bit happy with it when I said, no, not an emergency, just a big NBA thing. Uh, but look, you can't fault him. For, for finally requesting the trade. I think once they drafted Scoot, it was clear they were going down this rebuilding path. Even though Scoot did look good in that Summer League debut um, before getting injured. But look, it, it, it's fair enough. No one's going to fault him. But I just don't think he's gone about it the right way now, though, because apparently reports are saying that he will be unhappy on any team that is not the Miami Heat, which I just think is a bit nuts. Because what happens if he was to get traded to, say, the Celtics or the 76ers or the Clippers or even the Pelicans? Like, there was just a few teams that might be able to conjure up some assets for him. They would be contenders, in theory, with Damian Lillard. So why would he be so unhappy and refuse to play uh, there if, if he did get traded? And I'm, I'm starting to get worried he's going to use up all of his goodwill because yeah. everyone was sort of like, we're happy to, for Damian to request a trade. Whereas other stars, people, there's a bit of backlash, but... It was Dane. It was on Twitter. Everyone was like, good for him. Like, he's finally done it. But now, all of a sudden, it's, I will only play in Miami. If you trade me anywhere, I will sit out. I refuse. And so, it's really putting Portland in a, in, a, in a tough spot because do they owe it to him to trade into Miami? I mean, he's one of their franchise's best ever players. He's been loyal throughout. But they should probably do what's best for the team because if you trade him to Miami, it's not going to be the best package anyone can offer. Um, and plus, the Heat have a record of being a really well-run franchise. So if they take back future draft picks, you're betting against a team that really doesn't have a history of having high lottery picks. I mean, 
since LeBron left, their first round picks have been 10, 14, 13, 20, 27, and 18. Uh, if you risk betting Damian Lillard on this, you know, heat future and the picks don't come up, then all of a sudden you're going to be in this deep rebuild for a while. And, you know, fortunately, Portland still have their own picks, so they can rebuild off that. But trading Damian Lillard, you want something back. And then I think the broader conversation now is how far is player empowerment gone? Because mm. Ben Simmons sat out, got traded, no issues really. Durant got traded in the best situation, and it wasn't even like there was open market for it. It was literally just out of nowhere. He's been traded to the Suns. And sure, they got a lot of first-round picks for him and Mikel Bridges, but I feel like other teams might have been able to give the Nets better assets to move forward. Um, AD sat out in the Pelicans, got his way. Harden just completely tanked twice to get out of Houston and then get out of Brooklyn. And now Lillard threatening to sit out if he's not traded to the Heat. I mean, it, it makes no trade clauses pointless in contracts, really, because if Lillard is able to go to the Heat for a weak package like Bradley Beal was able to go to the Suns for a week package with that no trade clause. What's the difference? I mean, not, there's none really. And I don't really know how you fix this because you can't suspend players who are, you know, if they're saying they're injured or if they're sitting out for personal reasons or mental health reasons, you can't just say, oh, we're going to, you know, suspend you. We're going to find you like, however much we're not going to pay you because you can't really question how legitimate or illegitimate these things are. And then you can't really withhold the salary. I mean, Ben Simmons, the Sixers did their best there, but I think that's still being dragged out. But I think he did end up getting most of that money back. So I don't know how the NBA fixes this. And it really just makes for an interesting case study for the future. All right. We might leave it there. Uh, 20 minutes into the show, and we're going to get straight to our expansion draft. So, ladies and gentlemen, the rules of this expansion draft is we're going to go snake style. Tom, you'll go first, Yuri, then myself, and then we'll reverse order and keep doing that back to back. We have six categories, five of uh, them I prepared you on. One I threw at the top of the show before we started recording. We've got an extra category, though. You might have to work on the fly. So we're going to pick and set up an expansion team, somebody not necessarily in North America. This could be anywhere in the world. We're going to draft from a list of cities, jerseys the team should wear. You can choose to just have one jersey or a home and away kind of uniform setup. A franchise guy, and that is a true franchise guy. We've got a number two, and we're able to push back on this. So, Tom, if you come in and go, hey, I want Giannis Antetokounmpo as my number two, he's not a number two, all right? Yuri and I are going to push back on this. So, this must be a true number two. The cult hero of the team is the category I threw on you guys that we haven't prepared for at all. And then finally, a team name slash mascot. Um, so... Look, Tom, the floor is yours. You were awarded the first pick. I'm not going to play the fun little sound. Do, 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 do. What city would you want your NBA expansion team in? Well, look, we talked about it at the top of the show. I think Las Vegas with that new $2 billion eye sort of looking thing, I reckon that'd be a fun expansion team. And it has been rumored for a while that they will be looking for a team. So I- I'm going to pick Las Vegas for this one. Now, what attracted you to Vegas was, I know you've been to Vegas as a 10-year-old boy. It's, was it that experience or is it purely the eye you want to have a basketball team inside the eye? Oh, I think the eye. And also you look at the success, you know, the hockey team, the ice hockey team uh, yeah. won the Stanley Cup. That looked pretty pretty rowdy. Um, I mean, the, the Raiders uh, moved there and they did pretty well uh, crowd-wise, record-wise not really, but crowd-wise they did pretty well. Um and uh, the rumours that, you know, the Oakland A's are going to be moved there as well. So, you know, you're going to have a sports city all of a sudden with a bunch of historic teams um, and, you know, get a basketball team in there. And who knows? Uh, it's not that far from LA. So the stars might come out. Yuri, are you disappointed? Did you have Vegas peg for your number one pick? No, I didn't actually, Alex. That's no, a good thing. So I differ away from that. It crossed my mind, but I had a little panic about all the gambling money and all the drunken debauchery <laughs> that happens there. So... Congratulations, Tom. The Las Vegas something something. We'll find out more in a moment. Yuri, you are pick number two. Where are you taking your brand new NBA expansion team? I thought about this long and hard, actually, just with the whole 52 whatever cities in America. I might look a little bit different in the way, but I think Kansas for mine. Ah, okay. Just not only because the Kansas Jayhawks and they've had so many elite Collegiate players come through like Paul Pierce, and we can go through a list of names. Kirk Heinrich is one of many. So, yeah, Kansas for mine. I know it's it's a little bit further away from the city glamour lights of New York and 
LA, but there's something about it in the way that probably brings that feel. And it's almost this certain type when it comes to small market teams as well, that if you can attract a big player and attract the right people within the front office, then it becomes a success. And we've seen that over the last handful of seasons. So that's what I look to start my franchise with. So the state of Kansas population of just under 3 million people do you know the capital of Kansas here? Because I didn't until I just Wikipedia'd oh, it right now. <laughs> no. Oh, it put me on the spot now. I, the largest um, city is Wichita, but that's not the capital. Oh, that's where Ron Baker played his collegiate ball. Yeah. I'm the, pretty sure. Wichita. The, the and capital, Fred Van Fleet. Yes. The, the yes. capital is Topeka. Oh, wow. Yeah, look. So you can stay with Kansas. They were on my radar. Um, they are an interesting expansion team. I know the NBA was looking at that as well. The typical Las Vegas, Seattle, <laughs> Kansas, big uh, collegiate capacity there. Um, oh, I've so forgot as well. Christian Braun played at Kansas. Christian Braun, yeah. So oh, Christian Brown. My yeah, Christian Brown. my pick. Um, this is not going to be a surprise to either of you two. I'm taking a team back to British Columbia. Vancouver is getting the team they deserve. That was stolen from them. Um, look, not much to say here. I, I live very briefly in British Columbia um, and Canada loves the Raptors. It's a one, there's one team in the country, right? But I think it's time for a rivalry, West Coast versus East Coast. I think having a team in Vancouver makes an interesting rivalry up and down the Pacific Northwest as well. Like Seattle is right across the border. Portland's right there as well. Some tourism, some travel. Vancouver is a beautiful city. It's like it's like Brisbane and Melbourne combined. So it's a lovely place to be. Uh, Yuri, go ahead. Oh, Alex, I want to tell you a story. Do you remember back to the 99 draft night when Vancouver had the second overall pick? Do you, do you remember? No, that's okay, really stretching so my memory. I'll, I'll, tell you this, I'll try and tell you this short story short. So they had the second overall pick and Elton Brand went number one overall to the Chicago Bulls. And guess who they chose at number two? It's not Mike Bibby. No, that's not right. No, no. So Mike Bibby was the previous year. Steve Francis, they Steve chose Francis. a pick two. And he told his That's right. He, he wasn't going to play there. I do not want to play in Vancouver. He gets traded to Houston. And guess what happens his first game there? I can't remember any of this. The year. fans. The fans start pelting tomato at him from the stands. Oh, it's just. An absolute classic. And I need to protect my players yeah. from this kind of debauchery. <laughs> none of that in my city, not in Vancouver. Oh. Uh, look, Vancouver, if people are traveling overseas, that's one of the first places I recommend. So it's a lovely city. Uh, I get pick number one for the jersey. And look, this might surprise you. I am going to drop a couple links in our in our Zoom chat and you guys can see what I'm actually talking about. I am picking the old Vancouver Grizzlies uniforms, <laughs> the old white, black, and sky blue. I'm dropping the links in there so you can see. I think the black, so this is a full black uniform with the sky blue lettering and numbering, is a beautiful jersey. That's the second one I dropped in the chat. That can be our uh, our home jersey. We're going to have a, an evil kind of setting. Well, I like those sky blue, kind of similar to what the Grizzlies threw, um, excuse me, brought back in the last few years as their retro jersey. I think they need to be used. Bring back the historical element in Vancouver. Yuri, you wanted to say something? Tom, do you like those jerseys? Give me something. I do, yeah. It's just basically the flashback to what they had when they first came in. I think it was, what, 1995 yep. as a franchise. And, yeah, it's similar. I think Memphis had a – well, Memphis, of course, have been wearing the navy blue since, what, I think – 2000 mid 2000s pretty sure and then i think memphis's clash strip as well and I, i've always been a big fan of their clash strip they had like this as you mentioned the sky blue and that that looked really good as well and yeah i think that just suits it perfectly that black one i linked to you on the nba store the vancouver grizzlies black team color swingman by mitchell ness retailers at 152 australian that is a deadly looking jersey so that's going to be my home jersey i think um, Tom, your thoughts on my jerseys, and then Yuri, it'll be your pick. I oh, know yeah, they're very nice. The uh, yeah, classic ones. I think Memphis has what a similar city edition one at the moment. Like well, they're that, not allowed to have it anymore. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, can't complain with that. Yuri, your pick for jerseys. Okay, so I'm probably just going to start from scratch with the jersey, but it's similar. Well, I thought similar to what Georgetown have, but. I'm going to change the color on one of them. So I've got navy blue and green. It's mine, like a light, green. like a lycra green color. 
You got to drop us a link in the chat. I don't think I've ever seen one of those. No, no, I'm just I'm just sort of formatting out the top of my head. So I haven't really got a team that I have the thirty that I can sort of model on. But that's what I probably start with with the two colors. Okay, navy blue and green. Tom, your team in Las Vegas is going to wear what color? Uh, so uh, color wise, I haven't really thought about it, but I'm just going for one of the classic, best classic jerseys there are in the league. I think the league's ever seen. And that's the like sort of '92 uh, Orlando Magic sort of setup, which I've oh, got the pinstripes, the, the pinstripes with the white uh, and the black and the and the blue, and you know most most known for Shaq and Penny Hardaway wearing them. I just think it's such a nice look, and uh, you know it's a bit sort of like the Yankees pinstripe uniform in the baseball, but I, I just think it's a nice clean look, and that, that's what I'd uh, want for my team. Magic '92 jerseys is going in the dock. Okay, Tom, you get pick number one in the franchise guy. Yeah, I mean, after last season, this is probably the easiest pick. I'm going Jokic. I mean, he's going to be your cornerstone. He can run your offense. He's going to set everyone up. He's he's the best player in the league at the moment, has been for the last three seasons MVP-wise, you'd probably have to say, besides not winning it last year, but he won the finals MVP. And he'll, he'll play off anyone. And look, defensively, Obviously, he's not going to be the best there, but you can set guys up around him. And I, I just think he's going to be, who's not going to want to go and watch him play, especially in Vegas. You know, maybe get maybe get a horse track out the back, get that set up for him. <laughs> I'm sure it should be attractions all around. Uh, okay. I think that's the obvious one. If he was there, I was going to take Nicole Jokic. Yuri, who have you got for your franchise guy? So it sounds pretty obvious, Alex, but I've got Giannis onto the Kumpo. That's my main man to lead the Kansas new franchise. Just we go through a list of accolades. But, yeah, I, th- I think that was actually a very good, I think, article recently. And this is only, I think, a few hours ago too. And it sounds a bit hypocritical in a way probably, but if the Bucks had won the championship, if Giannis hadn't got hurt, nah, definitely not. That's just all complete false in a way. We're just completely outplayed in that first round. But I think the whole attributes of what he's done for whatever it's been nine seasons now of his career from his evolution as a jump jump shooter as well working on his turnaround game and of course that thunderous rampaging roaming style to the rim which basically no opposition team has had any strategy tools to combat so there's a whole lot and of course the free throws have been yeah a bit hit and miss at the best of times but as he did in that Championship run in 2021, where he hit 17 of 19 from the foul from the foul line in Game Six against Phoenix. I think it says that, and plus the humility as well. He's a guy which is very rare in today's NBA too. That has a big ego. He just keeps it cool, calm, and collected, and he speaks in a real philosophical type of way as well with how he approaches what he wants to project out and whether it's been the player, but off the court as well and how he carries himself. So that's, of course, it may seem a bit biased, but that's where I'd go. Would you have picked Nikola Jokic if you still had him on the board? I probably would have. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I probably would have as well. But I think anyone who had that first pick as well would have gone straight for the Joker. Okay, my pick. Any guesses who I'm going to pick? There are some great players left. Uh, Tom, you you want to take a guess? Kevin Durant. Okay, Tom. Oh, look, I, I, I had three players written down uh, for, for this, not knowing that I was going to pick first. So I had Jokic, Giannis, and then I went with Wemby for three. Ah, so, okay. <laughs> so I had Giannis, Jokic, and then um, another player on the board who is a uh, 24-year-old. He's currently a franchise guy, and we're going to bring him home to Canada. Shea Gilgis Alexander is coming home. To Vancouver. I mean, he's from Toronto, but he's coming home. We're going to start with Shea. SGA, 24 years old. He's going to be a future MVP. He was fifth in the voting last year. He's really exploded. Averaged something like 30. I don't have the stats right in front of me last season. Am I crazy? I know I'm, I'm going for the vibe of the thing too. I'm bringing our boy home, but I don't think that's a ridiculous pick. On the board is KD. I think, okay, injury history, pretty old. On the board is Joel Embiid. Injury history, getting fairly old. Wemby, okay, I, I could have maybe taken Wemby. Am I crazy for taking Shea Gilders Alexander at that pick? No, absolutely not at all, Alex, as well. And I think, of course, that part of that package trade for George for Paul George, I was saying, in the summer of 2019. And he's always been a consistent jump shooter as well. And, of course, he doesn't take too many threes. If 
not at the best of times, barely any threes, yeah. but his, his finishing ability around the rim is one of the best. And I think his old pass, he, he's, he's a very good rebounder too for a guy his size. So, yeah, I'd, I'd take no mistake whatsoever in starting a franchise with SGA in any way, in any shape or form, considering you mentioned he's only, what, 24, 25 this year. So it's the perfect time. He's basically just entering the prime of his career. Um, Tom, I'm not sure you're going to like what I'm about to do. So I, I got number, number three pick for the franchise guy, which means I get the first pick in the number two. You can if tell you, me if-, if you if you say Jason Tatum, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> we're going to have an issue here. Look, my 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 two picks. Jason Tatum is number two. So if he was available and my first guy was gone, I was going to pick Jason Tatum as a, as a bit of a joke. You can push back on this because this person, I believe, is technically a number two on his currently on his current team, but it's a bit of a it's the best number two in the league. Is Jamal Murray a number two? Is he eligible for this number two position? I'm getting nods from Tom. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think he's a number two. I mean, I, I, I question if he actually were to be on another team, would he actually be that number one guy who could win you a championship? Like, I don't, I don't think he actually would be. So I, I, I don't have no issues with you taking him number two. So uh, Jamal Murray, born in 1997, also from Ontario. So he's not from the West Coast, but we'll adopt him. I have got a perfect pairing in Vancouver. I've got two Canadian boys coming home in uh, SGA and Jamal Murray, lighting the world on fire. Um, Yuri, you've got the second pick for the number two guy. Oh, wow. This is probably me thinking long and hard about this as well. For I didn't really think minutes. about how my guys play the same position and they kind of <laughs> clash stylistically. I just took best player available. <laughs> no, yeah. No, it's all good. I was probably thinking you could probably push back on this as well. But the Aaron Fox, you could push back on it a little bit as well with him and Sabonis. So I, I'd be happy to give you De'Aaron Fox, Tom. Your ruling? Yeah, no, I think I think he's not really a bona fide number one. So I'd, I'm happy with him being a two. Okay, De'Aaron Fox, it is. Are you going to defend that pick anymore, Yuri? Are you just happy with? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely going to defend as well because <laughs> do you remember back to the 2017 draft, Alex and Tom? when the Lakers had the number two overall pick in the whole, I think there was talk about who they should draft between Lonzo and De'Aaron Fox. And because Fox is arguably one of the quickest point guards, if not the quickest in the league, and with Lonzo and the whole hype train as well, and they end up picking ball, of course, and Fox end up going pick five with the Kings where basically now he's basically solidified himself as arguably, if not close, well, basically all-star anyway, so... Yeah, there's just a little bit of a background story to that six years ago. All right, Tom, your pick, number two. You've got Nikola Jokic. I've stolen his running, mate. Who are you going to have aside him? First off, Yuri, thanks for bringing up the 2017 draft. Jason Tatum went three. Philly in, Philly in LA had one, two. I will talk about that draft anytime you want. Yeah, he was um, the right pick. Right pick. As my secondary star, I've, I wasn't 100% sure. But look, I think I will take Jalen Brown. Just, okay. This is that guy who can sort of he can score you thirty, but he can you know also like high level defender. Uh, besides the playoffs last year, uh, and you know he'll play that two man game with Jokic decently. Maybe he can tie up that handle, uh, and he'll he'll be a, a similar version of Murray. Maybe not as team centric, but I think you know next to Jokic, anyone's going to look good. All right, you get stuck with the cult hero as well, Tom. This is the category I didn't ask you guys to prepare about. I don't have anything. I'm going to go purely off vibes when it comes back to me. Who is the cult hero on the team in Vegas? So I've, I've gone Draymond Green, if, if that if that oh. the cult hero. He's, he's, he's never been the star guy at Golden State. He's never, but he's, he's like the... The culture guy is the glue guy, and he's that cult hero guy. He's the one who he's the one who's going to bite back at all the other teams. No, it was never Curry or Clay or Durant. I'll allow it, but that that hurts. That, that's I've got no idea where to take this category now. We're going to have to make yeah. a stop, and I, we'll pause the show, and I'll, I'll do some research. <laughs> well, that's that's what I've got. I think I think defensively now, you know, my, my big three of Jalen Brown, Jokic, and you got Draymond Green. I mean, who who how everyone's going to get an open looks? Give me two shooters, and that that team's going to be scoring threes like on an unbelievable rate. All right. I, I'm happy with that, Yuri. Are you happy that Draymond Green qualifies as a cult hero? Yeah, I, I agree too. I think the 29 other teams would disagree completely, but <laughs> if you're going to say absolutely not because what he's done is just 
Yeah, and everything he does is within the glue side of, and also just I think the heart and soul as well for the Warriors' defensive identity, so you can't go wrong there. Yuri, pick number two for Colt Hero. Who have you got joining Ooh. your Kansas team with Giannis and De'Aaron Fox? I've probably got the same as well. Why have Giannis' teammates and yours in the running for sixth man of the year? Bobby Portis Jr. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. I think, yeah, we've seen over the last three seasons as well from, of course, that punch-up with Nikola Mirotic as well during practice. And he's basically changed as well. And, and also for the better too because he's always had the talent to really transcend further. But since he came to Milwaukee as well and taking on that sixth man role and they can rely upon him as well in crunch moments when they play him. I think basically, I think at various stages as well, they played him in crunch moments too in the last three, four minutes and he always came up and those double doubles he always produced as well seem to always go under the radar. And I think for some reason it was never really mentioned about too. So, and plus when things get physical as well, he loves the physicality. He, he loves to just rough it up with opponents. And I think he doesn't, there's something also about him as well. He's not afraid to take a backward step, and that's what you need as well. So I think when you probably glue all those pieces together, I think it probably complements perfectly. Cult Hero is one where I'm not really sure I've made the right decision, guys. Um, the first thing that flew into my mind was I'll pick a real tall guy like Boban Marjanovic, just completely tall. But then I thought, okay, he's not really going to play. Let me get some play time out of him. So I kept looking down the list of tall Cult Hero players. I settled on a guy who comes with some baggage. He's four or five years into the league, um, played a little bit last year for the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken, but not a lot has one of the best all-time hype songs attached to him. I'm picking Mo Bamba in Vancouver to get the crowd rocking before every game. We're playing Mo Bamba. I go, oh, call it. I can't sing much more of that song without us getting blacklisted. But that is a hype song for sure, and I think the crowd in Vancouver are going to love that. So I'm picking Mo Bamba. I don't know if he's going to play much. I'm a Bamba believer. I want him... I know he got traded or signed a new deal this week, but I can't remember where he's ended up. But I want to see him get some action while Tom does the research in the background to figure out where Mo Bamba is next season. Oh, I he's get... with Philly. He's with Philly. He's with Philly. one year deal. Yeah. As, as the backup center. Okay, yeah. interesting. I hope I he gets good. Some yeah. He, he didn't see a lot of playtime for the Lakers last year, which no. made me a bit cautious. But um, I love Mo Bamba. So yeah, I get. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Alex. He was a former sixth overall pick too. Yeah, so yeah. I think in so the magic, right? Yeah, magic. I think it was 2017 or 2018, one of those two years. And I think because Orlando back then had such a logjam at center, right? They had Vucevic, they had Ken Birch, and then he gets drafted and it's sort of find it difficult enough to try and weave your way through and try and play meaningful minutes, and especially under Steve Clifford where, of course, Clifford, preach defense and always has been since getting an opportunity as a head coach. So I think that sort of wasn't quite the right fit at the right time. So I think now feeling him getting that chance to be Embiid's backup center and he'll learn so much from Joel too as well. Just the defensive side. I think he's always been a good a good defender anyway, but I think with the whole whole Embiid sort of teachings as well to got to take under his wing as well. I think Maybe he can take that next step and potentially be one of the sixth man can six man candidates. I, I just figured out I don't know where Mobamba's from, thinking maybe I've accidentally got another Canadian. He's from New York, so <laughs> I didn't accidentally pull that together. Um, look, team name. So I'm in Vancouver. I, I want the Grizzlies. I can't get the Grizzlies. Um, I, I had to think about bears. Could I go the Kodiak bear or the spirit bears? And it's just a bit lame. Lots of uh, native animals and indigenous animals in BC, like the caribou. It's not a, a great name. Like the marmot, they're a little creature. I don't really know how to explain them. I've gone, which ends up being my name and my mascot, the Vancouver Cougars. I got a head nod from Tom. Yuri seems to acknowledge that that's an okay. Yeah, it's a good name. Yeah, I've got well. a little. I've got a little excerpt from my uh, wildsafebc.com. The cougar is the largest of three wild cats in Canada and a formidable hunter. I'll leave it there. I've come face-to-face with a cougar before when I lived in BC. Scariest moment of my life. Those things are huge. They're as big as a lion. I'm, thank God I was in a car. The Vancouver Cougars, I think it works. Yuri. It's good. Yeah, pick, I like it, a, Alex. Pick a team it's name. Well. Pick a mascot. Oh, wow. Ooh. 
Okay, so yeah, it's probably going to take some time to probably think of one, but I thought about it and because, of course, Kansas had the Jayhawks as well as their collegiate team, so I'll differ away from that. I'll probably go for the Kansas Lions. The Lions, regal, established, gives an air of class about it. And, Tom, we come back to Vegas. Are you going to, is your arena going to be inside the I arena? Is that where you're going to play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got Jokic. You've got to have the world's uh, biggest arena, world's <laughs> arena ready to go. I was going to say, now anything that your mascot's about, you could need to think about how it looks on the outside of this 300 meter tall building. But um, who are you oh. going to have as your name? Well, you went for something native to Vancouver. So I'm just going to go something native to Las Vegas. The casinos. Gam- yeah. It's just gambling <laughs> casinos. Um, at, you know, look, the WNBA team is the Las Vegas Aces, so can't have that one. Then Sacramento are the Kings, so you can't really call yourself Las Vegas Kings. So I've just gone Las Vegas Dealers. So, you know, spice dealers. it up a bit to the dealers, and then, uh, you know, they'll deal you the business. Uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> it'd be the, that'd be the playoff slogan. Uh, and then for the for the mascot, I just go poker cards. Just get people in giant poker cards with the face sticking out. Of, you know, all kinds of different ones. Just lead, in, lead into the narrative. I can imagine that's you know a big weekend in Vegas. You've maybe had too much to drink, and you see these human beings sticking out of poker cards. That's uh, that might be a bit upsetting. All right. So to recap, Tom, you've got the Las Vegas Dealers with their mascot poker cards. They're going to wear a combination of the um, Orlando Magic '92 home and away, the pinstripe white and blacks. Franchise guy Nikola Jokic is in town. He can bring his uh, his horse racing. Is it just horse racing, dog racing, whatever kind of racing he likes? Uh, from Sombor to the backyards of Vegas. Jalen Brown's the number two uh, in uh, Nevada, and your cult hero is Draymond Green. I can imagine he might get caught up a little bit in the nightlife in Vegas. Yuri, you're based in Kansas. We don't know what city. I can't even remember the capital anymore. Was it Topeka? I've got no idea, but you can take a nope. state. Kansas. Oh, Your jersey's yeah. navy blue and green. Is that right? Yes, it is. Franchise guy, Yanis Atatagumpo with uh, De'Aaron Fox. We allowed you to have that number two. I think that number, that's fine. Your cult hero is Bobby Portis. Do you want him starting or off the bench? Off the bench. Off the bench, Bobby Portis. And the mascot is going to be the Lions. You are the Kansas Lions. And finally, I got the band back together in Vancouver with the Vancouver Cougars. Um, I'm wearing the sky blue retros. So uh, similar to what the uh, Memphis Grizzlies have been wearing the last couple of years with that sky blue lettering, but I want the black version as a home. I think that's the coolest one. SGA returns to uh, Canada. He's going to be my franchise guy, the 24-year-old, fifth in MVP voting last year. I've also picked Jamal Murray. I'm going really heavily into the Canadian theme um, as my second guy and our cult hero, Mo Bamba, mostly for the vibes associated with the song with him, and I need some backup bigness off the bench um i don't know who's got the best i kind of like tom's idea yuri you've got Giannis and yaron fox two guys that can just go and run that's pretty quick as well uh before we wrap up yuri who's your favorite uh put together was it your list was it tom's or was it mine i think all of us i think what all of us all of us right it's it's hard enough to choose a franchise player and hard enough to choose a second option hard enough to choose a heart and soul culture leader and hard enough to basically start a franchise from scratch wherever in America. So, no, all three of us did an outstanding job and I think you can probably argue to the cows come home, but I think all our choices were spot on. Tom, who's your favourite? Pick one. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to be narcissistic and just go with myself. I mean, I got Jokic. I got yeah. Jokic. What, what more do you want? I mean, best player in the league, best player to watch. And you got that sick new arena too with uh, <laughs> the outside that's spherical LEDs. I like that. Um I want to be a homer and pick the Vancouver uh, Cougars, but I think, Tom, your team might be all right as well with Nikola Jokic. Jalen Green is the second option. It's interesting to me. Um, but Draymond Green, uh, sorry, Draymond Brown and Draymond Green. So we've all done fairly well there. Who do you think uh, won today's little fun off-season game of picking new expansion team? You can let us know on the Mojo Sports Network Instagram handle. Um, I'm sure we'll have some sort of digital media content with all this recapping. Uh, Tom, anything to say from Las Vegas or anything about the Summer League in the next week? Uh, no, no, not really. Just, you know, let's, let's keep an eye out on where these uh, some of these players are going to get traded to. I think James Harden, Dame, Dame Lillard are the most interesting ones. And let's see what happens. Anything could happen in the next week in the NBA. So we'll see.
Yuri, do you think Dame Lillard is still in Portland next week? Oh, I don't think so, Alex, but <laughs> gee whiz, it's going to be, oh man, it's it's hard enough to just sort of put into context how much he's already given to the franchise for 11 seasons. And again, there were interests as well with the Spurs potentially with him mm. and Wemby. That could be one, especially with Popovich re-signing for another five years. I think Utah were smoky, but I don't think so just because the way Danny Ainge wants to rebuild the roster. And he's already said they're going to retool around Laurie Markin and Walker Kessler and now with Taylor Hendricks as well, their ninth overall pick in this draft gone by. So I don't think the Utah Jazz will be in consideration and they're already setting a nice foundation anyway. So, wow. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be tricky, but hopefully it come to some resolution because it would be pretty, it would be pretty pickly to say in the least that if Dane doesn't get that option and try and, go for that championship because he's given so much to the franchise. We spoke about it last episode as well. And there's only been probably three good seasons where they've built a nucleus around him. And they've been at least close, maybe, of course, the conference finals in 2019, the franchise's first since 2000. But do you think when you look overall at some of the rosters that, that, that have been constructed under Dame, it doesn't quite match up to some of the great Portland rosters from what, especially at 99-2000 season. So, yeah, just hopefully something will at least come to a point and that both sides can at least agree to something because I find it weird in a way if he doesn't get traded and him playing next to Scoot Henderson, it's almost going to be like the version of him and CJ McCollum, that super undersized backcourt. And I think he's already said already that he doesn't want to play with another, another rookie. So, wow. I was just, in the middle. Yeah, yeah I, I was in the middle of signing off, and a thought just popped into my head. Uh, are you surprised, Tom and Yuri, that the Lakers haven't made a single peep about Dame Lillard? I'm just saying, LeBron's under contract for one more year. It's not like he's stuck there for millions and millions and millions of dollars. Oh, not really. I don't think as well because I think Rob Pelinka said we just want to re-sign all our young guys and try and go for it once more. Make another run. So, yeah. Tom, yeah. do you have the same feeling? I just don't think they have the assets for it unless they want to give up Davis. And I mean, with Portland, does Davis at what, 30, you know, injury prone, like, is he really going to help your future? No. So I just don't think they have the assets personally. So they could combine Rui Hachimura and combine D'Angelo Russell. That's the money for Lillard. But the assets they'd have to give on top of that would be two firsts that they owe in the future. Plus, I'm trying to think who else is. Yeah, it's difficult. They can get their money-wise, but maybe the assets aren't enough. Anyway, we'll leave it there. We'll see next week if Portland still have Dame Lillard on the roster or not. Uh, the league, it's the off-season, but everything still happens, including the Summer League. There's always things going on. We'll be back here this time next week, Yuri and Tom, plus maybe a couple other friends to talk about it. Thanks very much, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Alex. Really appreciate it as always. Thanks, Alex.